This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And on a beautiful Saturday morning, it's Frank Proctor here, the sous chef of The Garden, saying welcome to The Garden Show. And Charlie Dobbin, you look spectacular today. Thank you very you much. You look like a little Italian table. I was going to uh, say. Uh, in a restaurant. <laughs> you want eh? a little matus to go with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. This is, I know. It's it's very, very cash. Ch- very it's very cash. gingham. <laughs> yes, but very nice. Very Thank nice. You. Um, hey, what a difference a day makes. Oh, my Lord. Gorgeous blue yeah. sky right now. Just, oof, well, compared was, to yesterday. Yeah, telling you about my particular problem yesterday. Well, you to work. had a very different from, problem uh, from most of us. Yeah. And, in fact, if you're able to get uh, the AM740 uh, website up, you know, the main page, go to blogs. And I've written a blog and shown a picture of what I had to walk through yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, about a little over a kilometer through a forest, a uh, very windy road, but the trees were just so heavy there, right over the road. You couldn't so get through. So that's why you were walking? Yep. yep. We were, there was and, no uh, driving through that, I guess. Oh, no. Too many thank, trees. Thank the Lord for our good neighbor, Peter Grosskirth, who came by and picked me up after I made it through the forest. <laughs> got me to a ghost station. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, Otherwise, that's my problem. you would have been snowshoeing yeah. your way all, all the way down to exactly. Toronto. And I'm here with a crick neck this morning because I slept at my son. Toby's uh, last night on the couch, you know. <laughs> mm. Oh, not the best. Anyway, uh, let me get the phone numbers on the air for sure. you. Sure. All right. You want to reach Charlie? You bet you do. Okay. In Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Our little mantra is call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know. And when you arrive to the airwaves... That will greet you, a little bell. Uh, you can get your garden wings, as it were. Okay. All and right. A few you. announcements. We're at yeah. that time of year. Yep. Lots going on. So this Monday, mm-hmm. uh, at 7.30 p.m., so Monday, April 10th, 7.30 p.m., I will be at the Oro Madonte Horticultural Society meeting. Oh, wow. They meet at the Oro Madonte Community Center, which is right on Highway 11 at Guthrie. My topic is... Gardening in a Changing Climate. Guests, of course, are welcome, and I'd be happy to see anybody there who can make it. I don't think there's any snow expected. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to be 20 degrees and sunny that day. I I guarantee the roads will not be a problem. No, I hope not. All right, this coming up Wednesday, April 12th, 7.30 p.m., Lorraine Johnson is speaking at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Her subject is Connecting the Diversity Dots. Gardening with Native Plants. Now, you remember Lorraine mm-hmm. was just here a few weeks ago. She is the author of many plant books, including the recently revised 100 Easy-to-Grow Native Plants. She's also the past president of the North American Native Plant Society, a longtime advocate for community gardening and Toronto's urban forest. Lorraine's book, 100 Easy-to-Grow Native Plants, will be available for purchase and signing at the event. Members are free. 
best reason to be, have, be a member yeah, of the yeah. Toronto Botanical Gardens. Go to lots of things for free. Bring a friend for $10. General public, $15. Uh, door sales only. Of course, Toronto Botanical Gardens is Leslie and Lawrence, southwest corner. Same night, Wednesday, April 12th, 7.30 p.m., you can join the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society's general meeting and free presentation, Good Bugs in the Garden, by horticulturalist Malcolm Geist. He's great. He's, he knows an awful lot about an awful lot of things. Uh, refreshments are included. Of course, there's you know lots going on. It's a very social group. Guests are welcome. They meet at the Scarborough Village Community Centre on Kingston Road at Markham Road. And just one more time, I'll remind you that Tuesday, April 18th, 7 p.m., the Penetanguishing Garden Club is hosting Paul Zamet uh, at the Brian Orser Hall, the Penetanguishing Memorial Community Center, 61 Maria Street. Uh, he, Paul is speaking on container gardening, drama for every season. Again, everyone is welcome. Best way to get excited and ready for spring is get out to, you know, meet some of your gardening buddies that you haven't seen all winter and learn some neat, neat ideas and fun stuff. Exactly. Okay. Well, we're going to get prepared to uh, have a word or two with Helen right here in Toronto in just moments on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, let's see if Helen is going to concur with both Charlie and I that it is a beautiful morning here in Toronto. Hi, Helen. Welcome to the show. Morning. How is everybody? Great. Excellent. I am um, I'm calling for help again, Charlie. I called a few weeks ago mm-hmm. um, about my amaryllis. Yeah. And I was going to try and um, keep it going and maybe try and re- um, have it bloom again come fall rather than as a challenge. Mm-hmm. And it may be more challenging than <laughs> I anticipated. When I spoke with you, I had these three, no, I had four actually, four gorgeous long green um, leaves, if you want to call mm-hmm. them. No, they are leaves, yeah. Yeah, shooting up from the bulb. Uh-huh. And it was doing wonderfully well. It was under, thriving unbelievably. Mm-hmm. So I didn't move it. I thought, okay, it obviously liked position it was in Mm. and um, continued with what I was doing. I have now got, um, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at, I'm looking at two of them uh, that are pretty well dead. Okay. And uh, the other two, of the other two, one of them looks like it's, the top of it is starting to brown. Okay, so you do uh, <clears throat> the amaryllis should be still putting out green leaves and holding on to green leaves at this time of year for the purpose of building the bulb back up right. for beautiful flowers in the future. The only reason why the leaves would turn yellow now would be too much water or not enough water. Well, I don't know. Remember, I, I, you probably don't recall the call. I had uh, at the time, and, and they still are there, uh, the roots were coming up. Mm-hmm. I was seeing roots in the top of the pot. Mm-hmm. Now, again, they're still there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, the top of the, the soil is damp. Mm-hmm. It's so, not 
soggy, wet. Okay, so the trick with bulbs is make sure when you water, you water thoroughly so that it's, you know, very well saturated, but not soggy, not whole. Like, of course, your amaryllis is in a pot with drainage holes, right? Right. So when we water, we water thoroughly so that we moisten all the soil and any excess water drains out the drainage holes. Okay, so I should drain, I should water it enough then that it comes out the that's, drainage holes. That's right. And, you know, you could do that right in the sink if you want or, yep. or have a big enough saucer below that you can see that the water's coming out. Once that's happened, you know, give it five minutes or so to see if any of that water soaks into the soil and then drain whatever's in the saucer it down the sink. Meanwhile, plant goes back into that sunny location, wherever it is, and do not water again until that soil feels dry to the touch, like dry. Not dry. just dry on the surface, but thoroughly dry. So it could be a, a week, it could be 10 days. It kind of depends on temperature and amount of sun that the plant is in. Okay, so dry, like literally dry right straight down into the pot. Yeah, I mean, too dry and the plant will be suffering for lack of water and you'll start getting yellow leaves. So there's that fine line between too dry or too wet. But, but most commonly, bulbs are killed by too much moisture because the bulb will start to rot. Okay, well, the one thing I've done when I've watered is I have not been, I haven't made sure that it was running straight through. Okay. That I haven't done. Yeah. So yeah, I so might have been just watering the surface yeah. rather than all right, the way so, through. Which could very definitely be the case with all those yeah. roots up on the surface, right? That's what superficial roots tell us. That tells us that you're only watering at the top. Oh. So the roots grow up at the top. They they grow where yeah, the water is. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does yeah. make sense. Absolutely, yeah. so, <laughs> so more like a plant. Okay. More, <laughs> more thorough watering, and and also consider maybe sprinkling a little extra tops or not topsoil potting soil on top of those roots if there's room between the lip of the pot and the soil level right now. There's Just, room between the lip of the pot, Charlie, but. When I planted it, the instructions that I read was that it shouldn't go too high up on the bulb. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I looked at that actually after my call to you, and wondered about that. But if I put, I mean, I could, I could scatter some soil on the bulbs around the edge, uh-huh. and not um, interfere with the bulb. But I didn't want to put the the soil too high on the bulb. Yeah, I mean, the bulb should be about a half of the bulb should be sticking out above the soil surface. Okay. Okay. A half, a third to a half, right? Yeah, it's about, it's yeah. about a third right now. All right. Sounds good. All right, so just so fix, the idea is fix it's up the your water. It's a watering issue. I think so. Sounds like it. All right. Okay. No, listen, I thank you ever so much. I'll, I'll keep plugging along with it. All right. Okay. Let us know how it's yep. going. Well, thanks a lot. Keep in touch You're already. <laughs> wow. That was... Helen is feeling quite close to her amaryllis. <laughs> I would, I would say so. Well, uh, we can branch out here uh, to Kitchener. As a matter of fact, there's Marie. Hiya, Marie. Welcome along. Good morning. Morning. It's a beautiful day here too, of course. Yeah. I, I very seldom get uh, a chance to call, so that's why I'm doing it today. Yeah. I'm ahead of myself, but I have a lot of lavender in my front flower beds, mm-hmm. and I often think, why don't I dry them or do something <laughs> and save them? And how would I do that? Okay. So this lavender's been there for a number of years? Yes. Oh, good. Good for you. Uh, Okay, so the rule of thumb with lavender, of course, is in the spring, snow is melting, we get out into our gardens eventually. Mm -hmm. Take a look. You will likely have a bit of dieback. Mm -hmm. Lavender will always like a bit of a a shearing uh, just to help it so it doesn't get all scraggly uh, so it'll grow more dense and compact Mm -hmm. throughout the summer of course it's going to put on lots of new leaves it's going to give you some beautiful flowers by you know July Mm -hmm. at that point if you wanted to cut some flowers you could 
But you should always remember that at, towards the end of the season, just before real winter is coming, what I've been taught is that you should do a, a pruning or, an, again, or a shearing of your lavender, cutting back about one-third of the new growth that grew like that season. Okay. Okay. And so, again, that shearing that you would do in October or early November, you could always gather up those little pieces, uh-huh. <clears throat> dry them down for Christmas sachets or, you know, people to put in their underwear drawers or right. in their pillows, wherever, because it's great. I mean, it's mm-hmm. lovely stuff. Okay. And, then, and then the plant's in better shape in the spring, and you'll find you'll do less trimming in the spring oh. if you do that fall maintenance. Okay. All right. That, that's fine. That's what I want to know. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Bye. That's what Charlie's here for. Yeah. <laughs> Nine, 922. We have to take a little bit of a break, but let me just emphasize right now that uh, we have some open lines, which is rather unusual. So give a call now if you want to get to uh, Charlie. It's the perfect time right now to call if you're in Toronto, 416 360 0740, and then anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1 866 740 4740. The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, we're going to your home uh, territory there, mm-hmm. Stomping Grounds, Richmond Hill. There's Rita. Good morning, Rita. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank, and good morning, Charlie. This morning. Is a beautiful, beautiful morning. Isn't it? I need your help. I was out last Saturday working in the garden, doing so much as I can. Mm-hmm. Now, my camaladas, okay, they're purple, mm-hmm. and I've got one three feet high, one four feet high. Mm-hmm. How far do I cut them back? Down or whatever. Okay, so when you say purple, are they kind of a deep purple and uh, yes. the flowers are shaped like a star, flat, kind of a star? No, 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 no. no. What are the flowers? Flat. No. Not flat. So what does the flowers look like? Oh. Well, you know what I mean? There's, so, the reason I'm asking is because there's many different kinds of clematis and they're all pruned differently. Oh my. So depending on when, it's not, the reason I say, see, there's what we call the summer flowering clematis. They have a... That's all I have, yes. Yeah, they bloom in the summer. They have a flat, pretty flat flower. It's star-shaped, like a starfish kind of look. I guess so. um, The purple is the most common. Its name, typically, it, what many people have is a Jack Manny is the name of the clematis. Right. It's part of that group of summer flowering clematis. Yes, and, because it only blooms just, you know, early spring, and then it's gone all summer. You know, most of the summer it's gone. Uh, okay, and then there are spring flowering, and there are fall flowering. So there's different ooh, times that ooh. they flower, and we, like I said, we prune them differently depending on when they bloom. So, like, there are some with little bell-shaped flowers. Uh, typically in the spring they'll bloom. So that's why I'm asking because... Okay, I'm just trying to remember where the other, the other one where I've got it. It blooms... Three quarters of the summer, and then it's gone. Okay. So pro- most likely you have the summer blooming clematis, and most likely you have Jack Manny. So what, uh, the way we prune that one is, and it's a good time to be asking, because right now, now within the next two weeks, three weeks, is the time to get out there with our nice sharp pruners, and you're going to look at the plant. The buds will be just starting to, to swell, and the buds look like little tiny squirrel ears. They're like little furry, gray, um, very obvious once they start to swell, and they are opposite to each other. On So you'll see two buds side by side all the way up the stems. And with the, the summer blooming clematis, we cut them right down in the spring to eh, six inches tall, roughly, just above a pair of buds. 
So all that three feet or four feet of growth that's all scraggly right now all goes in the compost. And the reason you do want to do that fairly radical cutting back is you will get a lot more new growth as a result of the the pruning. And it's on that new growth that the blooms will form. So you'll end up with a lot more flowers when you you cut it back. If you don't cut it back, you get a few flowers up on the tips. But if you cut it back, you'll have flowers all the way over the entire plant. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's great, Rita. Thank you very much for calling in to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. Out to Scarborough now at 928. Say hi to Bob. Hey, what's going on, Bob? Sorry, I got you on speakerphone. Just a moment. Oh, Bob right, was doing something yeah. while he was waiting to get on the air. Multitasking. Yes, oh, it's so there? <laughs> Yes, we're here. Okay, I've got a problem with grass. It's not the kind you smoke. It's the kind you cut with your lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I've had it, the grass has been there for, for 40 years, but I find that the fertilizers now that you buy, I'm just trying to find out where I can buy the old 7-7 or the Menorganite. They used oh, to sell that, but yep. they, they don't sell it anymore because there's contaminants in it. But anyway, uh, the stuff you buy today in the hardware stores and the nurseries, it's like a high nitrogen, 301 or something. Mm. And that I don't think that does anything for the, the growth. It just makes turns it green because I think the golf course is using is called urea. But anyway, I'm looking just for a regular fertilizer. So do you know of any place that sells that? Okay, so right, I love that, regular fertilizer. Well, there, okay, a couple of things. Whenever we're putting a synthetic fertilizer on our lawns, we're pumping a whole bunch of nutrient to the plants and what is a lawn other than millions of little plants and we're trying to encourage a bunch of growth but if you find that your lawn just is you know 40 years later is just doesn't look as happy and healthy as you'd like it to look i just like to ask you do you ever top dress the lawn with some fresh triple mix or lawn top dressing or do any overseeding with some some of the more vigorous uh, fescues and grasses, the blends that are out there? I use a triple mix, but uh, I find that it takes me about two years to get the weeds out of the grass again. <laughs> right. Well, so, but you see, there is bagged lawn top dressing. It is not inexpensive, but it will go on sale, whether it's at Home Depot or Canadian Tire. You know, if you watch the flyers, so a big bag of it, I mean, it's an 80 liter bag kind of bags, it goes quite a long ways. Um, and it might be like a regular price of fourteen ninety nine. It'll go on sale for nine ninety nine or eleven ninety nine. And what I would do is I would just start trying to buy what you can afford. Number of those bags, weed free, disease free, excellent top dressing, very very good for the lawn. Um, and I I could I know I've seen Melorganite for sale recently. Now I don't know. So I found why. the head office down in Milwaukee because that's where it came from. We used uh, to produce back in the early uh, years, uh, stuff called tenorganite. Right. And it was sold in Milwaukee, and they sold us theirs, right? (laughs) But it contained so many contaminants, metal, hard uh, metal, you know, and heavy metals, uh, yeah. That's antibiotics true. and stuff that goes in it, it, mm-hmm. it ruins the, the lawn and they, they're forbidden to sell it here now. Right. Um, hmm. So, yeah, because you're right. What you're finding at the stores right now is like Golf Green and Turf Builder and, you know, kind of the, the mainstream. So where are you calling us from Scarborough? 
why not go to your local Sheridans? Because you do have a Sheridans out there in we Scarborough. Do, yeah. yeah, and see what they've got. Because I don't know, I haven't been in Sheridans the last few weeks to know what exactly they sell. Mm-hmm. But they will certainly have, they should have something beyond just the regular um, mainstream uh, fertilizers. Okay, because I found the other worked. It was a slow fertilizer. That's with right. new stuff, you know, it's all about put it early spring, put it late spring, put it summer, mm. put it fall. So you cut your grass three times a week. I know, know, and I hate that. No, you want a slow release. Yeah. And if possible, you want it to be from, I mean, there are so-called organic lawn fertilizers out there in the sense that it's from more natural sources rather than just synthetic uh, sources. And and that's what you don't want. You don't want to just pump the growth so that it's like, you know, your lawn is on is on serious uh, drugs, steroids. You want it to grow slowly and steadily and be healthy. Okay. Thank you, Bob. Good there luck with you that. go. All righty. Oh, hey, my uh, bell ringing oh, arm is going to be put to use work. here. Yep. Just a second. There we go. Hey, that's for Stephen in Toronto. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the Hi. show. Morning. How are you guys? Good. Excellent. That's great. Uh, first time caller and also <laughs> totally inexperienced with the world of gardening. Good for you for oh, calling. Yeah. Welcome uh, to the show. I'm living in an apartment, mm-hmm. have a balcony, mm-hmm. would like to save money on groceries. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> what in regards to either herbs or plants mm-hmm. or what? what what would you recommend that I put out there? What direction does your balcony face? Do you get morning sun or afternoon sun or any sun? Uh, let's see. I'm facing uh, north. Right. So you get some very... No, I'm facing... Pardon me. Oh. I'm facing south. Oh, south. So you get lots of sun. Yeah. Bright. So it's a bright balcony. And how... Like, um, sometimes the facing south is great because you, most of the vegetables and herbs are happiest in a hot, sunny location, uh, which you would have facing south. And so your herb options are limitless. You can grow whatever you want in the way of herbs. Um, tomatoes, of course, are one of the number one most popular uh, ho- homegrown vegetables. And we often say, you know, one little package of seeds, what's that, $1.99? And you can grow bushels of tomatoes versus buying them at the store. You're limiting... So what do you think about those hanging basket uh, tomato things you see? <laughs> yes, I've seen them. Um, they are worth a try. The thing that's tricky about those is that the hanging, the actual pot isn't very large and if you are if it's a super hot summer like it was last year you will be watering that plant four times a day okay no problem okay so that'd be the one that is always the hardest thing about growing in containers on balconies you've got the wind you've got the sun and you've got the fact that containers dry out faster constant maintenance than than in ground Mm -hmm. gardens do so yeah more the most the way people most likely kill plants on balconies is from just not getting enough water out there when it gets really hot so yeah i would certainly consider hanging basket there's hanging basket strawberries you can grow and hanging basket tomatoes and herbs are uh, it's so great right now because there's so much interest in growing edibles that mm-hmm. everybody who does any garden center business, you know, from your grocery store to your convenience store, everybody's got edibles for sale at, you know, reasonable prices in yeah. the spring. Yeah. We're still a bit early. You're not going to find a lot out there yet. But uh, in the next couple of weeks, it's just going to be like crazy. Exploding. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so think about what are your favorite things you love to eat. And remember, you know, the bigger the pot, the less often you're going to have to water. 
And don't forget, you're going to have to fertilize throughout the season in order to really reap the benefits of what you're doing. Okay. Right. Thank you, Stephen. Hope, hope uh, Charlie's been helpful there. And uh, we appreciate your first-time call. Now, look at this. Mm. I'm going to be in good shape by the time the show closes today because oh another, <laughs> another bell-ringing moment here. This is for, <laughs> that's for Bev in Hamilton. Hi, Bev. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I have a beautiful magnolia tree. Mm-hmm. It's one of the smaller ones with the deep, um, mm. almost maroon flower. Mm-hmm. And it, some, most of the time it uh, blooms twice a, a year for me. Mm. But I think it has a fungus. Oh. Or it gets, by the time, oh, July, mid-July, it gets um, almost a mold yeah. on the leaves. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know... Okay, I know what it is. Uh, so you know what it is. You, you're right, it is. It's a mildew or fungus growing on the leaves. It's typically quite black-looking. It is called sooty mold for a good reason. It does look a bit like soot. And it's, the reason that sooty mold is growing on the leaves is because the mold is growing on sticky sap that's on the leaves. And the reason there's sticky sap on the leaves is because you have an insect infestation and the insect is called magnolia scale. So S-C-A-L-E. Now, it's not easy to kill scale. And um, depending, how long have you had the tree? How big is it, roughly? It's um, probably 20 feet oh, yeah. high. So it's bigger probably and than you could do. Maybe with. not even that. But I've had it for, oh gosh, probably seven years. Have you ever had it looked at by an arborist? I had, we had someone in um, to look at our lawn mm-hmm. last year, okay. and he told me that, uh, it, that that's what it was. Uh-huh. Oh, um, he, uh, he, he said a fungus. Okay, so if a guy's coming to look at your lawn, he doesn't sound like an arborist to me. So I'm I'm really you know stressing the word arborist. So a tree professional, um, if it's as big as twenty feet, it's more than you should be dealing with in terms of spraying. Um, what I would do, you're in Hamilton, you have lots of good certified arborists in your neighborhood. Davy Tree comes to mind. D A V E Y. They're everywhere in Ontario. Any of the good, you know, certified professional arborists will come to your property at no charge to you. They will tell you what you need and what they would charge you to provide what they're recommending you need. Your magnolia after seven years should probably have some proper pruning done. And if you are experiencing sooty mold on the plant, it does need to be sprayed to control the scale. There's no way to stop that scale otherwise, and it will ultimately cause the death of the tree. It'll take a long time, but that insect will kill it. Would that um, be affecting our lawn? No. No, not at all. We've had a problem with some bare spots, and I just wondered if the leaves falling. No. No, they, I mean, any, like, magnolias are big leaves, yep. and we always try and avoid having leaves sit on our lawns because leaves uh-huh. will suffocate the lawn below. But otherwise, no, the, the mildew, the scale, none of that will uh, affect your lawn other than through suffocation of the lawn if the leaves sit there for too long. But like I said, I'd really look after that tree because it sounds beautiful and special, and you need to, to care for it. So love our trees, and let's care for them. Let's all make sure we do the best we can to keep them as healthy as we can. Thank you, Bev. 
All right, and good you. good luck with that too. Getting hold of an arborist—that's the most important little message there. Exactly, I think. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we have a couple of lines open here. We're just about due for a little break here on the Garden Show, but let me emphasize that a couple of lines are open right at this very moment in Toronto. Call four one six three six zero zero seven forty, or anywhere in the province for that matter. Toll free one eight six six seven forty. 4740 and a gorgeous Saturday morning like this. Mm, mm. Can't think of anything better to talk about than gardening, huh? Yeah, af- yeah. After that, we want to get out in the garden. Well, yeah. We're going to be taking a little trip to Port Perry in just a couple of moments. Excellent. But, yeah. Love Port Perry. <laughs> Some of our sponsors would love your ears right about now, folks. So here we go on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, ask a favor and the folks uh, (laughs) respond immediately. We've got lots more calls in and uh, waiting to be attended to. Next on the list, it's a port I like the way you say we. We. Well, yeah, (laughs) sure. Uh, Barbara, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Morning. Um, we have a, a, a miniature flowering crab tree in our yard. We've had it for about five or six years. Mm-hmm. Now, yesterday we had those strong winds and the snow and everything, mm-hmm. and it's taken off the bark in the middle of the tree, and the lower branches are hanging low to the ground, and, and the upper branches are still up. But it, the bark has gone in the middle of the tree, and I'm just wondering if it could be saved. Mm, doesn't sound good. No. Uh, okay, so I wonder why the bark would suddenly just fall off like that. Is it possible that there was no prior damage done to the tree that you know of? I um, don't think so. We haven't noticed any. Did you? Is it just on one side that that's happening, one side of the trunk, or is it all the way around? Uh, it's just in the middle, uh, uh, right in the middle. It hasn't gone any further down or up, okay. and the, the lower branches are hanging down to the ground. Okay, so the lower branches hanging down is probably a response to that heavy snow that we had and yes. are likely will likely spring back up to for most for all intents and purposes. But the bark missing is what worries me. Um, I'm going to recommend, same as our last caller actually, from Hamilton, Barbara, yes. that, that you get a hold of a professional certified arborist to come and look at that tree. Okay. Sometimes, like, flowering crabs have fairly dark gray bark. And what can happen is that the sun beats on the bark of the tree in late winter. So through February and March, we have a sunny day. The sun is is actually shining, and it's quite warm by that time in the winter. And the dark bark absorbs that heat that that's coming off the sun during the day. Then the sun goes down. And what what has happened is that you get some thawing of the liquids under the bark when the sun is up. The sun goes down. Now those liquids freeze again. And, of course, they expand when they freeze. And they crack and break the bark in the process. And it it can be very injurious or cause great injury to a tree to have that happen. Traditionally, it's called southwest injury because it typically happens on the southwest side of the bark, Mm -hmm. the the trunk of the tree. So that's why I would get an arborist. You need somebody on the property to inspect what has happened and why it's happened and make recommendations for moving forward. Because, again, lovely tree. You don't want to lose it. And losing the bark is never a good sign. The bark is gone from all around the whole, you know, the center part. If it's gone Uh, all the way. There's nothing left there. Yeah. We call that girdling when it goes all the way around. Uh, there are ways to actually jump that, that 
girdle with grafting, but again, you would just have to get somebody there who who is can diagnose it, or you might just say, forget it. This tree, it, 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 see what happens. If it's really lost bark all the way around the trunk, it's probably going to die this season. You you will see it start and then stop and then die this year, and it'll just be a chop it down and replace it with something else. Mm. But and thank you for your great info. Great tree. You're very okay, welcome. Okay, Barbara. Thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show. Uh, because nine, every, mm, sorry to interrupt, yeah. every tree matters, right? We're, Absolutely. We, you know, yeah. it's one of those things that, like, we've, we lose trees when we have big wind and when we have infestations like all the ash trees that we're losing to the emerald ash borers. So, you know, it's every tree counts. We really have to make an effort to maintain their health as best we can. Absolutely. Now, Charlie, if, if what I see on the monitor here is true, there's a gentleman in Burlington who's going squirrely right about now, and that's that's Eric. <laughs> Just a minute, he's a first-time caller, too. All righty. Hi, Hi, Eric. I am indeed a first-time caller. Oh, Good welcome to the show. You have your garden wings. Oh, yes. We had, a, we had a house for many, many years. We just moved into a condo. We're up on the 10th floor of a building. We have a terrace. It's a pretty good-sized terrace out back here, mm-hmm. outside here. And we have an indigenous squirrel we just found out yesterday. <laughs> indigenous. Now, how he makes it 100 feet up the side of a, of a building, I don't know. But he's che- he immediately went to one of the large pots and was checking out where it looks like they had an herb garden before. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that we can grow, tomatoes, herbs, or anything like that, that would be tolerant of a uh, No, not really. Because, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, well, you know, actually, I can explain that a little better. The, the, the thing that squirrels do is they, they dig in the soil. They yeah. hide things, and they're very curious. If you hide things, what did you just, you know, plant? So they mess up our, our containers particularly because they dig and dig and dig, make a big mess and walk away or down the side of the building or over to somebody else's balcony to make a mess. Yeah. So... You could, I mean, if it's really big terrace, I guess it would be very hard to do that kind of netting that sometimes people will do. Uh, it would be very hard, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, even pi- I'm, oh, I've yeah. been on terraces where pigeons are nesting. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what do you do when wildlife moves into your terrace? But the other thing is, I mean, a squirrel doesn't care about your tomato plant. It's not going to eat your tomatoes. It's not going to do anything to the tomato other than dig around the soil. So something I have used that works quite well is a bag of forks from the dollar store, plastic forks. Plastic forks, forks, yeah. Yep. Pick up a bag of forks, take them home. Whatever you're planting, into whatever size container you're planting uh, in the next couple of weeks, you take those forks. Now, you can break the handles off if they're too much to deal with, but you keep the the tines, the the part. Yeah. And you stick those into the soil, tines up. It's like a picket fence. But you actually go right down below soil level, so you won't see them. But the squirrel will certainly feel them. It sounds like a medieval torture. Well, you know, you you can't beat the squirrels, trust me. Uh, If you feel bad about it, you can feed the squirrel some little peanuts in a bowl somewhere else. But the point is... I don't feel bad. You you don't want them digging around in anything you plant, because whatever you plant will not survive the process of being dug up every day. And that's what they'll do. They'll just do you have any suggestions for uh, uh, plants and flowers for it that are somewhat drought tolerant that I could put in pots out here? We have uh, we're east facing. Okay, well, you know, any of the herbs are excellent for for being very drought tolerant. Whether it's you know thyme or oregano or rosemary, or, you know, those are excellent um, herbs for the for containers in you know terrace gardens. Um, 
edibles specifically, or you mentioned flowers. Well, I mean, certainly annual flowers. Um, Cosmos is a great annual flower, loves the, the heat and the dry. Zinnias are excellent. Geraniums are excellent in the hot and the dry. Um, perennial, you know, there's a yarrow. Um, you know, there's... There, uh, you're in Burlington. So go to your local Terra Greenhouses. They have probably hanging right on the wall lists of plants for different conditions, and oh. there will be a whole list of plants for hot, dry conditions. Oh, are those automatic, those small automatic watering uh, devices any good for terrace? Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. Save you an awful lot of hauling water. So and They would probably have very good ideas about water. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, they're wonderful if you can get something like that set up. Eric, it's Patrolman Proctor here, <laughs> and I've had to pull you over to the side of the road because you were very clever at sneaking another extra question in there, <laughs> uh, which caught me unawares. So, you weren't ready for that. Uh, and yeah, you no. didn't say our mantra, no. I well, don't think. Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, did call you? early, call often, one question per call. One. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, <laughs> we have to wave bye-bye to Eric because uh, we're kind of uh, yeah. up against the clock here. And we want to, in just moments, conference in a uh, caller from just south of the border, from Eden, New York. Nice. Emmy, stand by. We're coming back to you next here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, uh, let me ring that bell. Ooh, you're getting a yeah, workout. I'll bet you, yeah. <laughs> uh, Emmy in Eden, New York, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. I love the fork idea, and I can't wait to try that one. <laughs> uh, Works I, for cats, too. <laughs> wonderful. Um, ouch. Um, I have a very neglected burning bush about mm-hmm. six feet tall and i need to trim it back and i need to know when and can i propagate new little burning bushes mm. when i'm going you could. that project you could um now is the time to prune burning bush so early in the spring the challenge most people prune burning bush just like they give it a haircut they give the whole plant just a shearing bringing it back to you know recognizing it's going to grow about six inches over the summer so think about what's my final size i want it to be at the end of this growing season you take it back that plus you know six inches so six feet tall you can take up to a third off the plant um and just be careful using you know sharp pruners and you know no jagged ragged cuts left behind um you if you want to be a little more specific and just go in and say, okay, you know, one, the older growth goes first mm-hmm. if, is the other way to, to look at burning bush. So it kind of depends how it was grown originally, sort of how many stems and branches are coming off of it. But spring is the easiest time by far because you can see what you're doing. Great. Then how do I get new bushes? Is- oh, now you've got all those little pruning bits you've taken off. So taking tip cuttings, so the tips, three to four inch tips uh remove the lower leaves um if you get can get a hold of some rooting hormone you dip that cut end into the rooting hormone and from there you go into some moist either vermiculite or sand and you sort of bury those cuttings down so that where you've removed the lower leaves is the nodes where the roots are going to come from that gets buried down under the sand could take yeah four or five six weeks outside of course uh-huh. you're leaving this all outside and you're making sure they're kept moist uh but not drowning so they're in some kind of a container with drainage and uh yeah roots will start to grow once the roots start to grow you can pot them up into little pots and hey, that's before you know it you got nice lots more little shrubs 
Wow. <laughs> because I've tried forsythia uh, before, and you just throw yeah. them in water, and yeah. you know, I didn't know there's much more complicated to a dual burning bush, but well worth it. Well, you Beautiful. could try the water trick. I find that quite often, I mean, forsythia, they're hard to kill under any circumstances, right. that sometimes the uh, cuttings will rot in water. So that's why it's always safer to go into something more like sand or vermiculite. Uh, yeah. And that's what happened the last time I tried yeah. putting a piece of burning bush in water. There it you rotted. go. <laughs> oh. there, you, there you go. Hey, thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, thanks for calling. Uh, thank you. Delighted to hear from you. And we have time for one more caller. We can quickly move along here. There's Lynn in Lagoon City, uh, Lake Simcoe. Mm. Good morning, Lynn. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. And it's a quick question. I kept my uh, trailing begonias in the same pot and same soil all winter. They're now growing quite rapidly. Yeah. And what I'm wondering is, since it's the same soil, should I be fertilizing now? Uh, okay, so you've got them in lots of sun right now and yes. warm spot, and they're growing yep. like crazy. Yeah, probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Start some regular fertilizing, and it is, after all, it is April. So regular, as in monthly fertilizing with an all-purpose flowering plant fertilizer. Okay, like Miracle Grow. Sure, that would work. Okay, now if they are in this soil last year and this year. Do I have to take them out at the end of the season? Um. I love the idea of just overwintering my bulbs in the pot they grew in because it's so much easier than digging them up and it drying them up. It was very easy. Oh, yeah. It's like, why not? So I can do it for another year, too? Uh, you could probably get away with it for another year. You will find that the soil level will probably have dropped down. Oh, right. So next spring, before they start to grow, maybe? Yeah. we'll just add add a little more potting soil to the pot. Will do. Thank okay. you very much. You're very welcome. Okay, Thanks Lynn, for thank you. I love the name, in Lagoon City. Lagoon City. I'd like yeah. to live in Lagoon City. How about that? Well, gee whiz, we're running fresh at a racetrack in just a couple of moments. I know. You've got a special weekend. Uh, plan here, have you not? I do. I, after the show now, yeah. um, and thank you so much for being such a great supporter here on the show. I know you've had a rough last 24 hours. <laughs> you've held up well. Um, I'm doing something very civilized after the show. I'm heading over to Union Station, yes. and I'm, there's a train awaiting me, and I'm going to hop onto that train, and I'm going to uh, clickety-clack down the tracks all the way to Montreal, and, and I'm, it's going to be very civilized, like I said, meeting up with some friends, uh, also a, a birthday friend of mine whose birthday's today. Right. Yeah. So we're getting together to celebrate for the weekend. And, of course, now we're a bunch of old farts. I doubt we'll be doing that <laughs> two or three in the morning uh, rock Routine, on yeah. that we used to do. But I'm hoping we can get at least get to midnight. And, um, yeah, it should be fun. Well, I'm going to try and catch Alan Gelman's ear. If he's, he's, don't, he's in the don't next worry, room there. Don't worry. No, I'll just hey, don't. No, he's, not, he's okay. busy. I, don't okay. even try. I'm going to steal his car to give you a lift. To, oh, you uh, think, do you? <laughs> Since he does such good work on your car. Yeah, that's he, right. He owes you a car. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, so again, thank you, Frank. And you're you're here for a bit still? Yeah, I'll be back at 1 o'clock mm-hmm. uh, through till 3.30 with Live in the City and look forward to that. And, and then just a quick plug for, for next week mm-hmm. and the week beyond. I'm uh, you're Norm. in for Norm Edwards. That's right. Except you're um, not Norm. You're Frank. Uh, that's right. Frankly, I'm Frank. <laughs> yes. And, uh, but I'll be here from 1 through to 6 o'clock every afternoon the next couple of weeks. Oh, my goodness. I know, I you're know. Just, you're just Fill in Frankie. But... Busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky Norm is off on some holiday, I guess. He's on a cruise. Oh, well, you that's had your you know, cruise, that's too. That's right. So uh, don't, don't be making him, me feel bad about poor <laughs> you. I'm glad you're, you're keeping busy and out of trouble. And I hope you get home safely tonight. And Will do. The roads are clear and yep. everything's fine up at the farm there. Thanks, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without you. Couldn't do it without all our great callers. So thank you to everyone. We'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.